Welcome, everyone, to CBuzz, Columbus's first business-focused podcast presented by the Columbus Chamber of Commerce and our partner, Capital University. I'm Michaela Hunt, your host for CBuzz, and we just thank you so much for being here because this really is a show where we bring you the best stories from the Columbus business community, lessons learned, stories told, things you can implement in the world that you're in. We record at Capital University's Convergent Media Center and have some fascinating conversations here, and we're going to have one of those today, I guess. Guarantee you. Joining us today are First Lady Shannon Ginther and Michelle Brown with Cover My Meds. Ladies, we're just so glad to have you here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So, First, let, let, let me put some context into this conversation. So Shannon is really part of the Columbus Women's Commission, working to advance the economic well-being of women in our community. And this commission is focused on key issues and directly influence policies and procedure to make big change happen in Columbus. She is at the beginning of this initiative and has been. Um, so we're excited to talk with her today. Michelle uh, with Cover My Meds, you know, that platform was created to provide a solution that benefits all areas of the healthcare network, specifically as an idea to create a website that enables providers, pharmacists, and their staff to fill out prior authorization request electronically. As a result, growth in one area of the business adds value to every other part of the network. And you're working together on some things. I I think it's fantastic. As we start, I want you both to share a little bit more about the organizations you are here representing tonight, Cover My Meds and the Columbus Women's Organization. What is the mission of each organization and really what is your role within the organization? I'll start with Shannon. Sure. And again, thanks for um, having the conver- hosting this conversation tonight. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So the Columbus Women's Commission is focused on the economic empowerment of women in our community, recognizing that 52% of our population here in Central Ohio is made up of women. Um, you know, this is an issue that, that impacts everybody and um, really focusing on ways to empower women and families uh, to be better versions of themselves. And, and, and a family, a community is better when we are a better version of ourselves. I completely believe in that. And, and Michelle, tell me a little bit about Cover My Meds and your role and kind of how it fits into all of this. Yeah, thank you. And we're really glad, again, to be here tonight to continue the discussion. And so um, appreciative of you choosing this as a topic. There's lots of topics you could have chosen. And I'm um, glad that you chose this one and really appreciative of the Chamber's support of this as well. Um, Cover Med's mission is to help patients get the medications that they need to live healthy lives. Uh, for the last decade, we've been, we've been doing that and we've helped over 100 million patients so far. And we're really proud of those results. Equally, I think we're proud of the culture that we've created and that we've been able to achieve those results through people. Um, with people, uh, men and women, and uh, with a diversity that we're, we're really proud of. Um, I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Cover My Meds. I've been there since the very beginning, uh, have gotten to see a lot of the growth. And, um, you know, as the organization grew, the role grew, I had the opportunity to grow with it and excited to, to be there. So this is the nice thing. Three ladies talking about gender and pay equity and all of these things that are happening to improve families in our community, which I love the fact that we're here doing this today. Um, so, Shana, let's talk a little bit about why the Columbus Women's Commission is so imperative to the success of our community. I mean, we're talking about really affecting change um, within our community, within organizations. Why is this so important at this point in time? 
It's a good question and one that a lot of people, you know, have asked for many, many years. Why focus specifically on women? Um, and when the mayor was elected and we, we first started talking about kind of what my role was going to be, I'm already, I'm um, the senior director of community health partnerships at Ohio Health. I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, I'm a wife, I'm all these other things. And so to You're add, a woman that normally has a ton of hats on and most uh, yeah. of us do, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, and thinking about adding kind of one more thing, wanting to make sure it was meaningful something that I was passionate about, and something that this community needed, and recognizing that um, this administration's platform is all about neighborhoods, and thinking about who makes up those neighborhoods in communities, in urban centers. It's, in a lot of instances, single female head of households raising children, mm-hmm. or even if it's not single f- headed female headed households, if it's, you know, a dual income family, um, you know, a more traditional kind of role. We know that women make spending decisions. They make, you know, decisions about education. And so really kind of focusing on what we could do to improve the economic position of women in this community. We know that for every dollar earned by a man, women in the U.S., earn 80 cents to that dollar. Women in Columbus, 78 cents. African-American women in the U.S., just 63 cents. And Latina women in the United States, just 54 cents to that dollar earned by a guy. So to put that in a little bit of, uh, for a frame of reference, because um, I, I always get some wide eyes when I kind of give this point of reference. It takes until, last year it was April 4th, into the following year for a white woman to earn what a male earned the year previous. Until April 4th of the following year. That's for white women. For, for white Latina women. women, last year's Latina Equal Pay Day was on November 1st. November 2nd. November, Sorry, November 2nd, 2nd of that year after. So, okay, it is 2018, right, ladies? So, you know, at this point, why are we still here? And what can we do about it too? I mean, what are you guys in terms of addressing it? Where do we sure. go? Sure. So, so I want to first say that when, um, before we launched the women's commission, I spent a year on a listening tour because one of the things that I didn't want to do was create infrastructure to duplicate great work that other women's organizations, other social services agencies were already doing. And so in going on that listening tour, four themes, really, when I heard all the data and all the good things that are already happening in the community, four things really popped up. They were around gender equity, safe and affordable housing, health and nutrition, and workforce development and child care. So those are really the four foundational pillars of the Columbus Women's Commission. After that, we launched the Women's Commission in 2016, open application process. We started with 18 commissioners. We now have 21. Um, and, and we broke down into those four kind of working areas. So this is very much a volunteer but working commission. And the very first area of focus where the community really wanted to have this discussion was around gender equity and wage equity. Um, so we hosted a series of focus groups um, with, you know, to think about what a voluntary pay equity pledge might look like in a city like Columbus. We had hoped to have maybe 30 early adopters. On Latina Equal Pay Day last year when we launched the Columbus Commitment, we had 65 
and we're now up to almost 100. It might even be 150 as of today because they're literally rolling in. This community is ready to have this conversation. And so I think that's when you ask, you know, why, why are we still here? I think sometimes we wind up places because we're not, A, we're not sure of the data, so we need to take a, a good hard look at our own data and then implement changes and participate in best practices learning collaboratives to figure out what else is working across the country and implement that at our own companies. And it's really, it's that simple. That, because data tells stories and people get stories, right? They get, when you simplify numbers and you simplify data, people hear what that means. And then uh, to your point of best practices and implementation, I mean, that's what the Columbus commitment is. So tell us, uh, we've kind of, mm-hmm. kind of, kind of grazed mm-hmm. around it, you know, so mm-hmm. what is the Columbus commitment? What are companies sure. signing on to do? Sure. The Columbus commitment is a voluntary pay equity pledge for central Ohio employers. And what they, by signing the pledge, they commit to look at their data participate in our best practices learning collaboratives where we bring in national and local experts who are, um, you know, working in this issue of, of pay and gender equity, and then implement some of those best practices in their own companies to change their story around pay equity. A lot of people, Michaela, might ask, well, why why didn't you use more of a stick instead of a, a carrot approach with asking people to come to the table? And the answer there is we didn't feel like we needed that. We felt like there were enough companies, big companies, medium-sized companies, small companies that want to have this conversation. And at some point you reach the kind of a tipping point where it just becomes what everybody's doing here in Columbus. And that's, that's what we're seeing. And so, you know, maybe in the future we need to look at, you know, some different things. But right now folks are very energized. We hosted our first best practices learning collaborative in May and we had over 200 participants. Wow. That is, and again, how long has this, when was the commitment like The commitment rolled out November 2nd of last year. So that's really, really impressive. So how can companies, I need to ask this question, Mm -hmm. how can companies sign on to the Columbus commitment if they haven't already? If they haven't, they can um, go to the Columbus Women's Commission website and the pay equity pledge is right there. It's literally as easy as printing it off. CEO signs it and you mail it in or email it, you know, scan it and email it to um, the Columbus Women's Commission. It's all right there. It's literally that easy. And then you kind of get on a distribution list and a list of adopters. And then we have certain resources available for those adopters, um, you know, like best practices, learning collaborative. So we kind of bring these companies then into the fold in terms of, because it's not really fair to just ask somebody to sign something and then not provide any resources. Because if people knew how to do this already, it would be done. It would, Correct. You know, and what is the website? So people know where to go. So to sign the Columbus commitment, um, you can find a copy of it at www.columbus.gov slash women's commission. Okay, fantastic. So Michelle, Cover My Meds recently attended a gender equity summit. And from that meeting, your leadership really began to actively brainstorm ways that your company could act as a supporter of gender equality. Can you share with us uh, what has come from that conversation? Because our community, I mean, obviously Cover My Meds has done so many great things. A lot of us look to you. What, what are you talking about? What, what came out of that conversation? Sure, sure, Michaela. Um, that's something that's always been important to us. And, and in fact, one of our core values is be yourself. And I look at that core value as um, uh, us recognizing that um, we shouldn't dictate the mold for what success 
looks like or sounds like if you're a member of Cover Eye Meds, right? We want you to be who you are. And um, the idea is that we want diversity of thought. We want new ideas to come to the table, and that's what allows us to be innovative. So, um, and that's been that way since the very beginning. So this um, conversation around diversity, around pay equity, I think is a, it's a natural conversation that we've been able to weave in for a long time. Um, this year, we've taken, I think, some additional steps. We signed the, the Achieving Pay Equity uh, Columbus commitment, and we're really excited to do that. Matt Scantlin, our CEO, um, our president, Glenn Wada, our head of talent management, Veronica Knuth, and I all signed um, and feel really passionate about making sure that um, this is something that we take a leadership role in in Columbus. Um, in addition to that, we continue to look at our own pay practices. You know, and we talk about that being um, a foundation for uh, the Columbus commitment. Um, and, um, you know, when there are, there are differences, when there are issues, we address them. And, you know, what's been fun for us to see is the gaining uh, momentum that the commitment has um, and all the things that companies are doing. And they're starting at so, you know, such varied places. Um, and, but it's good to see them get started somewhere. And, um, you know, pay equity, I think, is a symptom. Um, of, uh, of underlying issues of what companies are doing or not doing. Um, but, but starting with that commitment for pay equity um, is the first step, right? It's a, it's a first start. I find that so interesting. So you're saying that it's a symptom of what companies are not doing or, or are doing. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a combination of all the practices. Um, you know, for us, high growth. It's it's really hard to do those things, and at the same time, keep checking, keep checking to make sure that you're doing those, um, doing the growth in in the right way. Got it. And so literally it's a, it's, it's just a detail that you have to be cognizant about and be looking at in terms of when you're offering jobs, acquiring talent, all of those things. Mm -hmm. So, um, a couple of the folks that we've really learned quite a bit from right here in central Ohio, Cardinal health has actually been at this for a long time. Mike Kaufman, their CEO now has been a champion for years for women. And he really talks about it in the frame of gender equity so what does that mean? That means things like having company policies that you don't ask for uh, previous salary history on an incoming job application mm -hmm. because that for a woman can just perpetuate an inequity. Um, you also have um, uh, practices like not lowballing on offers because culturally we know that women are going to be less likely to negotiate a higher offer. They're going to take what's offered. Um, you know, making sure that opportunities to network and socialize outside of work aren't just things that tend to be male-dominated like golf outings. Um, so just thinking about the culture of your organization too, because you can go in and do a numbers analysis on all of your associates today and correct any wrongs tomorrow. You could, yes. That, but yeah. then the next day you could be out of round again if your culture isn't following your numbers. Of course, that makes a lot of sense. For Cover My Meds, and, and I know a, a little bit or enough, I should say, about your unique cult culture, how does that look in practice to you beyond just the numbers when it comes to gender equity? Yeah, I think all of those pieces come into play. And I think one of the other ones that I might add is the, the concept of um, things like mentorship, sponsorship, um, and providing those stretch opportunities, um, making sure you're identifying high potentials, 
um, making sure that you're um, recognizing um, the women that um, you can put into leadership roles and you have um, development plans to help get them there. Those are all parts of the things that I think that are important um, up for Cover My Meds. I was looking at the some of the um, top awards for companies for women, and um, it was really interesting. Um, one of the statistics that jumped out at me was um, while the employee base for these top companies for women, the employee base was 50-50, men and women. The senior leaders were 70-30, roughly. They were 37% women. And I thought about that, and I thought, what does that tell us? Well, it says that um, companies, A, have to start somewhere, but um, there's a lot. Those are the top companies. We, we have a long way to go. Those are the top companies, top companies. for women to work, right? 37% of senior leaders. And, um, you know, when I look at that and I think about all the things that those companies have at their disposal, whether it's leadership development, mentoring, um, ERG groups, um, you know, high potential identification, that's pretty intimidating to small organizations. Um, and it really made me think about um, the need for companies in Columbus large and small to figure out how do you how do you adapt um, these good strategies that you're talking about to the size of the organization that you are. I've been fortunate for Cover Men's to see us from uh, very tiny um, to where we are today. And I can tell you some of those programs would have been really hard to do full-blown programs when we only had a few individuals. Right? Um, but you've got to figure out how to scale. And I'm particularly excited about the idea of sponsorship. Uh, because from a sponsorship perspective, whether it's men or women reaching back to help a particular woman with her career, to help make the introductions, to help do the, in, the networking, um, all those pieces, I think, are things that you can do as a small company. A big company, they scale really well. Um, and, and then the other thing that I think I would add is um, things like, uh, like the employee resource groups. We have one uh, called WIT, Women in Healthcare IT, at Cover My Meds. It was started by Jen Jennifer Cable, one of the um, employees at Cover My Meds. And um, it's been a great resource for women um, at Cover My Meds to help, get, um, to help give them exposure, to help connect them to groups like WELD, um, Women for Economic Leadership and Development. Um, and it's, it's grassroots. Um, it's supported by leadership, but this is, an, this is a group in Cover My Meds that is, um, has grown because of the passion women have for, for bringing a solution to the table. Did it also grow? I mean, we know that there's a shortage of women working in tech. We know that. You're out to change that, I'm sure. A lot of people are out to change that. This initiative within Cover My Meds and some others that you're working on, I mean, did some of this come out of the difficulty of trying to find and retain that female talent? Uh, the WIT group is just to develop the women um, at Cover Meds and, and kind of further there. But we do have that challenge. Women in technology, it's, it's hard to find women in technology. And then in the kind of numbers that we want to grow, to grow like we're going. Um, great organizations in town that are helping to try to change those, um, those uh, numbers, that, that pool of talent. Um, Girl Develop It, Columbus Women in Technology, uh, Health IT Chicks, all these groups are um, bringing women into technology, and it's exciting to see. It's, uh, the progress is 
it fast enough. Um, you know, we want to see more women in technology, um, but we're so proud of the women that are already there. And um, I think it's important to recognize the women that we already have in, whether it's individual technical contributor roles or technical leader roles. And I look at the Cover My Meds women and I think um, I'm, I'm counting on them to grow that next generation, right? Shannon, have you seen other examples of companies working in industries that are predominantly male employed um, here in Columbus that are really more approaching that gender equity conversation, pay equity conversation in a productive and a supportive position? Have you have you seen that play out in a few other companies here in town? Sure. Again, um, you mentioned Cardinal Health yeah, I know and, earlier. Yeah. And I yeah. was going to say, you know, one of the other things that Mike talks about and I know other um, CEOs in this community have adopted as well. And that is keeping the slate open Mm -hmm. in a position. And if the hiring manager comes back and says, well, I held it open for three months and I only got one woman or I didn't get any women. So I'm going to move forward. No, that's not the policy. The policy is you wait, you go back to the recruiter, you tell them to try harder, you reach out to HR. People are out there. You you have to look for them. And it may take a little bit longer, and it may mean that you're holding positions open a little bit longer. But in the end, it's worth it when you have a more diverse conversation around the table. And, and by the way, I, the other thing... I, I always, when I need a little bit of grounding and a little bit of a point of reference, it just happened that I was picking my daughter up tonight from school. We were having a conversation and she says to me, mom, what do you do on the women's commission? What does that mean? And so I was trying to think about that in terms of like eight-year-old speak. I was going to ask, how old is she? So she's eight. Eight years old. She's in second grade. And I said, well, one of the things I'm working on in partnership with a lot of other people is around pay for women. I said, did you know that right now for a woman and a man doing the same job, the woman would get paid less? And ladies, you should have seen her face. She was like, what? (laughs) She's like, why is that? She's like, what do you do to fix it? Do you go to their bosses? You know, and just these really simple questions, but you have to, you have to kind of fair, right? You go to somebody and talk to it, but that's not always how it goes in our world. And I guess the reason I bring it up too, is when we're talking about millennials and even the generation's after the millennials, if you will, are younger than Gen the millennials. Z, Gen Alpha. They're not, this is not okay to them. Mm-hmm. Nope. It's, it's not. not okay to them to think that somebody is making a decision for them about whether or not they will take an assignment based on, uh, well, they may have young kids at home. Well, no, go, go ask them if they can take the assignment instead of just assuming that they can't take a traveling assignment because they have young kids at home. You right. know, give them the opportunity. So, so people who are young, they just don't even, they're so connected now to their company's missions that that just doesn't feel okay to them. And so I think, you know, there's a moral imperative for all of this, but there's also a business case. Mm-hmm. And companies locating here, they want to understand what's happening in this community around the issue of gender equity. They don't want to have, you know, big kind of employee revolts where data comes out and shows that, you know, women are paid less than, nobody wants that. And so, and by the way, you know, um, we work a lot with Gail King, who's the chief administrative officer of Nationwide Insurance. She's on the Women's Commission and she says this all the time and it's true. She said, look, people don't wake up, CEOs don't wake up wanting to pay women less. It's not an intentional 
it's not intentional, but we have to be intentional about the infrastructure we put in place, both the numbers infrastructure and the culture infrastructure to, to correct it. And how we, I, you made such a great point earlier, how we respond to, because now I'm thinking about all of this together, you know, if with previous salary, if that's listed, and if you've had something that's lower, this next employer is going to see it. But the low ball comment that you ma- made, and you know, in this world, we're not supposed to necessarily take that first number, right? And that first offer, if they've given us an offer, they want us. So what are we going to come back with? But as women, we've got to step up ourselves a little That's bit right. too and take, and, and take a bit of control in the situation as well. We have to do it. Right. We have to put ourselves out there and, and, That's right. and do that. So I, I love that. Yeah. And I don't mean to say that, that there's no, um, kind of, um, requirements, if you will, on women to also step up their game, you know, as we all do as continually as professionals growing as professionals, but, um, just because of someone's gender should not dictate kind of their, their career trajectory and their salary trajectory. And I'm going to brag a little on you guys in the city because other people now are looking to us and what we're doing, what the women's commission is doing in other cities. Absolutely. That's what it sounds like. So tell us a little, give us a little inside scoop on that. Sure. So I would be remiss if, if I didn't call out though, that when we started, um, Shelly Biting, who's the executive director of the women's commission. And I literally started this with some ideas and a white wall. And so we needed some help from organizations who had done similar things. And so Boston and Seattle, you know, we had several conversations and things that were helpful and we learned kind of what worked and what didn't. And so now as we're catching more national attention, there was recently um, an article in Delta Magazine. We've also, you know, um, Reuters, the national Reuters um, kind of news outlet, the wire. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, you know, here in a couple weeks, um, Tulsa is coming to visit with a group of folks learning all about um, the great things that make up Columbus, including the Columbus Women's Commission and the power of gender equity. Um, You know, we're working a lot with Los Angeles, California. They've done a lot of amazing things for women. Mayor Garcetti, who's in his second term there now, is uh, you know had eight years to do quite a bit of work around women, and so um, as much as we're leading, we're also leaning on some of our partners who who have done it well too, um, because we we build on each other, you know, across it's the nation. And again, at some point, uh, the wave gets so tall that it becomes you know a tide, which is the the, the point. The point of it all, right. So the Columbus Chamber was an early adopter of the Columbus commitment and um, has been involved in helping um, to, helping with you guys with a few things. Um, implementing pay equality can have its obstacles, as we've been talking about, especially though, let's, I want to drill down to small businesses too, um, who want to make this a reality for our workers. So again, at the chamber, we've received lots of feedback on this particular topic. I know you have too. Between both of you, when you when you think about small business owners, do you have any advice specifically for them, based on what you've seen and, and talked about within the course of the initiative? And, and Michelle, I'll start with you. Yeah, Michaela, maybe to tie back to something you said earlier about the business case for this, right? We want to we want to do the right thing, but we also what is the business case for doing these things? And you know, I think about for Cover Eye Meds at all of our stages, growth and innovation has been a big part of our success. And again, recognizing that to grow and to innovate, you've got to bring diverse thought to the table. Um, and um, 
We've got amazing people at Cover Eye Meds who are brilliant. They work hard every day to help patients get the medications that they need. And we know to attract and retain amazing people like that, we've got to be their best place to work. And when we think about things like equity um, and other initiatives, that's what those people are looking for. That's what the most amazing people are looking for. And to get that diversity of thought, again, you've got to be, you've got to be their best place to work. We view pay equity as a way to get us closer to those goals. And it's the right thing to do. So as a small business starting out to start the right way, to mm-hmm. make sure that you have a handle on your numbers and that you can do that for everyone and then grow from there. Is that like an ideal place for a small business to be if they can start from there? Yeah, I think the simple things, you know, we're talking about starting with starting with the pay equity practices that you talked about before, starting with looking at your basic numbers of the employee base, what does it look like, and do your senior leaders reflect that employee base? Do they reflect your customers that you want to serve so that you can bring their perspectives to the table so that you can grow, right? Shane, anything? Yeah. What do you want to add about small businesses? I was going to add any time. I know a lot of small businesses don't have boards, but they may have advisory committees or kitchen cabinets. Being really intentional about that too, because if you have a bunch of white men sitting around a table, the diversity of thought isn't going to be the same as if it's, you know, a more um, gender and race-based, you know, balanced balanced, uh, group. And so thinking about it kind of from the from the top down, if you will, whatever infrastructure that is. You know, we have, um, one of my favorite stories is, is Mark Swanson with Stoff's Coffee Roasters. He's been with us from the beginning and really, you know, small business, grew up here in Columbus, Ohio. And, um, you know, he's constantly looking at how much are my bakers making? Are they making the same amount, you know, males versus females with, um, you know, their years of experience? And then he went, he got pretty bold this year and decided that um, they all needed to be bumped up to $15 an hour because that's, you know, they, they're getting up at four o'clock in the morning. They're, it's hard work. It's and commitment so to that work, yeah. Really thinking about and recognizing, you know, for small businesses, there's a bottom line impact there. Um, but again, you have to balance, I think, your retaining talent and making sure that you're treating people well. Um, and that's how you're going to retain them. Because ultimately, you know, most people don't want to just switch job after job after job. They, you know, they want to be connected to where they work. And so so some of this, you know, feeling like your company is doing the right thing, even if it's small, that feeling can be there, you know, and, and seeing that diversity in the faces around the decision-making tables speaks to an employee. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you mentioned the, you know, making sure that it looks the, um, and it is the, the way it should be at the top as well. Um, I love that quote by Marion Wright Edelman, you can't be what you can't see. Right. And, um, and it's such a good reminder for us. And I, I actually had a woman about a month ago who sent me a note. She's um, an, a previous employee. And she said, um, you know, she's in a leadership role now and, and she's mentoring other women. And she realized for her, I was that woman. I was the woman who she saw in a leadership role. Um, and that meant so much to me. And I thought, you know, that, that's it. Yes, play it, pay it forward now. Um, be that role model for other women. And it is so important. Um, there was a, a recent Weld speaker that I thought did such a nice job um, adding on to that, saying that's not the reason to celebrate. Um, if you're the first to do something, 
that's good, that's good. But better if you're the person helping to make the second and the third. That's the real reason to celebrate. And, you know, that's really exciting. That's what we should all be focused on is um, not just getting to be the first to do something or getting to be the woman on the board or, uh, or, or the leader or um, helping to change those numbers, but also helping to make sure that we're bringing other women along. And what's the saying? The rising tide sails all ships. I mean, ultimately, when you have that effect, I, that's a great story from someone who was a former employee. That's, that's fantastic. The Stoss one is great too. Um, we could talk about so much because I, we didn't even, some of these other areas that I know you're going to be working on, we didn't talk much about, but I, I want to ask you about childcare yes, <laughs> because absolutely. that was one of the ones you talked about. And I hear, and, and this is like sticking with me, what's going on in this situation for women in our community. So where are we? And what are the, I'll call them opportunities currently to change what we're kind of facing currently with that? Sure. So um, the Women's Fund actually just released a spark report on the cost of childcare. And it can be, you know, anywhere between $1,200 and $1,500 a month per child. It's a mortgage. Let me say that again. Yeah. It's a mortgage. What you said between. Let me say that again. Between $1,200 and $1,500 a month. And so. Very quickly there, you know, for two earners in this community, for two earners, you have to earn $26 an hour combined to make a minimum budget, minimum household budget. So that's like rent, transportation, childcare, food, minimum clothing, 26 bucks an hour between the two of you. We're not, we're not there in Columbus. And so... What happens then is folks are looking for childcare that is less expensive than that, which means it's not certified, which means, you know, there are some, um, in terms of meeting early childhood markers, um, you know, some the of the centers are a little these. bit more, mm-hmm, yep. some of the these early childhood centers um, need to do some more work around step up to quality. Um, so one of the, and then the other issue is that the childcare that's available, if you can afford it often doesn't, um, isn't open the hours you need. So for example, you know, the skilled trades for a long time now have been, you know, trying to take a look at how we attract more women into unions. Well, if you have to be on the job site at 6am in the morning and childcare doesn't open until 730, how are you going to do that? You can't do it. So, so just starting to think about, um, you know, some alternative options for women, because what, what happens then is that these women stay in, let me call them static jobs that they can work more eight to five, that they make less money than they could if they maybe did go into the skilled trades or were, you know, a firefighter or police officer or whatever, but the hours are different. And so if we're able to you know, open the throat of childcare, if you will, so that that um, there are more options. It really can help a woman advance in her career and not just get the kind of three percent raise every year, which, by the way, will never keep up with the inflationary costs of childcare and other you know costs of raising a family. And we're sitting here, and all of us have families sitting at this table. How do we start? So yes, we got, we've got to open that up, but how do we start the conversation? I mean, it's so easy for me to say, well, what would be the solution? But how do we start to talk about it so we get to a start to get to a better place? You start to talk about about it. it. You start to talk about it with employers, actually. 
Because employers, if, if look, if you really want to attract a workforce that's more diverse, and by the way, more and more companies by broadening their um, minority business requirements around new building and, you know, minority contracting, et cetera. So now skilled trades are more and more, and, and lots of companies are feeling kind of that pressure to be a little bit more diverse. And so part of that is getting women there and, you know, in skilled trades, it's like, okay, well then you need to start talking to the skilled trades about how we can partner to offer some solu- childcare solutions so that you can get more women to come work for you, which includes getting there in the job site at six o'clock in the morning or whatever it is. So being able to have those partners in the community and, and, you know, and offering the ability to have Absolutely. a child care center as a partner, or I know some people have them, obvi- not everybody can do this though. I'm not saying bring, I'm not saying bring a child care situation to a work site, right? I'm not, not necessarily, that, but there yeah. are other, but some people do that inside their offices. Yeah. So there are options. And so mm-hmm. it's talking to the employers is really feel like. And just, just elevating the issue as that, you know, this is a major roadblock in terms of, you know, minority career progression. When you are raising a family, you know, especially if you're the only one, it's like, well, I'm, I'm one of one and I, I can't make those hours work. So that's not an option for me. You know, if you want to change that story, you got to start to have that conversation with them. Because you're eliminating in a time when the workforce is so tight, you know, in terms of exactly. like we don't have enough to choose from, you're eliminating some of these folks from being able to, these women from being able to even think about these jobs. Columbus, we know, is a rapidly growing city. It's going to add nearly a million people over the span of the next three decades. It's a lot of people and, it, and happily so, a large addition to the workforce. So as we you know get ready to go what's what's the next step in ensuring our community remains committed and moving forward to gender and pay equality and how can businesses stay a part of the conversation michelle i'll start with you yeah i, I mean i really think it starts with again that commitment for the company to pay equity and to starting to unravel um the the policies the practices that get them there uh, i think the other big part is community involvement um, participating, whether it's um, in something like um, the the learning, the group learning that I think is going on through the, the Columbus commitment, or participating in groups like WELD um, or, or other activities. Um, that's the way you keep involved and, and you understand, um, you know, the best practices of, of your peers. Um, and then I think the last piece is really from an individual level, um, you know, how individually uh, we, can, we can contribute to this conversation, be open about it, and recognize that people are in different places, not make this a subject that is, uh, that is taboo, that, that is not wanting to be talked about. Um, make this something that, that everybody feels comfortable with. It's okay where you are. Just let's move forward. We get too afraid about talking about things sometimes, we right? We do. Where we yeah. just need to have the open conversation and put it out there and see what we come up with. I love that. What about you, Shannon? What do you think in terms of where we're headed next with this conversation? I think I'm really excited about it because I, like I said earlier, I feel like there were more, there was more uptake on this than we ever could have imagined. This community is ready to have this conversation, to be up to something bigger for women and families here. Um, so I think we need to keep doing what we're doing and continuing to challenge, like stretch ourselves a little bit. Like, okay, you know, we're talking about about pay equity, but what about gender equity? You know, what are some best practices around, you know, more inclusive um, ways to really promote gender equity, you know, paid family leave and other pieces like that that really are kind of part of the whole 
picture of getting women to the to an equal place of men in the workplace. But I, I this community has embraced this, and um, you know I'm I'm proud and humbled to to be a part of it. Well, we are honored to have you guys here today to talk about it and to lay it out on the table and have an open conversation about it. And we hope people hear it, pick up on it, and some of the potential practices that they could use, whether they're a small company or something larger. So we appreciate you and your time. Thanks so much. Thank you. First Lady Shannon Ginther um, in with us today with the Columbus Women's Commission, the chair of it, and Michelle Brown with Cover My Meds. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let us know by sharing your ratings and reviews. That's how we get your feedback. That's how we decide on future topics. All you have to do is search CBuzz on iTunes or the place you listen to podcasts. We definitely read your feedback. CBuzz is produced in collaboration with Capital University and is recorded at Capital's Convergent Media Center. So we want to say thanks to their talented students students, faculty, and staff for helping bring this program and important topics like this to you. I'm Michaela Hunt. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll be looking forward to our next conversation with you.